How's Lent going for you, brothers and sisters? You're about two weeks in, and uh, at this point, at least I don't know about y'all, but in my life, uh, there's been at least one day where I've kind of uh, failed in the Lenten penance that I assigned myself to do, right? So there's that uh, invitation to reflect, how's Lent going? You know, last week in the gospel, we heard about the temptation of the Lord. And do you remember where he was, like, geographically at that point? Anyone know? Where was he? You want to go, Isaac? You want to try? Where? You said the desert, right? That's right, Isaac. Good job. Way to go. Uh, So he was in the desert, the wilderness, the place of emptiness, the place, uh, perhaps uh, some biblical scholars think that he was maybe close to the, the Dead Sea, maybe the lowest, one of the lowest places on earth, actually. And now in today's gospel, if you paid attention, where are we? We're on just the opposite, right? We're in a mountain where Jesus is on the mount, uh, which comes to be known as the Mount of the Transfiguration, but it was just a mountain at that point. Uh, And we've come not accidentally then, brothers and sisters, from the very lowest place of the earth to to a a place which represents the highest place on earth, uh, the heights. The God-man wishes to show us in that movement, right, that there is no place that he will not go. There is no place in which he is absent. From the depths to the heights of the world, he is there. From the depths to the heights of our own experience, Jesus is there. And during that temptation last week, we saw Christ's full humanity without sin. We saw the means of doing battle against temptation. And we were filled with hope that if Christ conquered over temptation, if he's fully human, then when we're united with him, we also can conquer over temptation. So this past week, did you pray for that grace? Did you pray for the strength to avoid whatever leads you to sin? You know, friends, as you think about that question, there might come another question into your heart. Something that's necessary for our hearts. See, we've seen the, the means. We've seen that Christ is the way. and the only way to conquer sin. And we've been filled with hope that He remains with us in moments of great trial. He shows us that last week in the Gospel. And we learn from Him how to fight temptation. But we might wonder, why ought we begin the journey to resist temptation at all? What's the point? Where is Christ leading us? Now, friends, it seems, maybe it arises in your heart like, And that's almost like an impious question to ask. Where is Jesus leading us? But if we were to place ourselves in the shoes of those, or the sandals as it were, of those uh, first disciples who were with Jesus, it'd be such a natural question to ask. It's probably a question they asked a bunch. Like, Jesus, hey, uh, where are we going today? Where are you leading us? It's a question that we still ask of our friends all the time. Uh, Where are we going? What are we doing? Uh, What's the point here? And just kind of as an aside, that's at the heart of prayer. To just be able to talk to God like that, to say, hey, what's going on? I, I don't understand. See, Abraham also would have asked that question. 
when God uh, decided to ask him to, to go away from his home, to go away from his homeland and go to a land he did not know. He probably asked, where are you leading me? Why are you leading me? Now friends, it's sometimes remarked that the destination is not as important as the journey. And this is utter nonsense. Certainly, the way is essential. Don't hear me wrong there. The way is essential. But it's not as important as the destination. The destination is prior to the way in intention. Without the destination, there is no journey. You can't set out to go nowhere. Right? For any movement, you have to have a purpose. Some end has to be desired. And today, at the heights, on the mountain, in the transfiguration, Jesus shows us our purpose. We can come and see the purpose for which we were created, the end to which we're called. The, the, Jesus reveals to His disciples, that is to say to all of us, what we're made for, friends. What we were created for. What our hearts long for. And that's glory. We are called to glory. To share in the glory of God Himself. To really receive the divine approbation which Christ shares with us. St. Irenaeus says that the glory of God is man fully alive and man fully alive is the vision of God. To see God face to face, to be with Him and to be glorified in His presence. And there are moments in our lives that show forth that glory to which we're called. These are sometimes called thin places where reality is almost seen to be more than we can sense, than we can see, than we can hear. We recognize that there's something to which we're being drawn that's greater. And the transfiguration is the, the biggest, the best, the most important of those moments. The glory of God is on full display. Christ shows forth that glory which comes from being united in His, per, to his humanity being united to His divinity. Human nature is fully at the service of the Godhead in this moment. And it reaches its apex. Christ is transfigured then before His apostles to give them their purpose. To reduce the scandal that they will experience in the cross. One of the saints says, By His loving foresight, He allowed them to taste for a short time the contemplation of eternal joy so that they might bear persecution bravely. The same is true for us. He strengthens us to bear the weight of eternal glory which will first involve seeing their master go to the cross and then imitating his sacrifice friends sometimes we think that strong desire is opposed to christian sensibility but this is not christianity but a dangerous stoicism in fact, it's, it's often not that our desires are too strong, but that they're too weak, which gets us into trouble. C.S. Lewis says this. He says, we're half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is being offered to us. We're like ignorant children that want to go on making mud pies in a slum because we can't imagine what the offer of a holiday at the sea means, right? 
God has so much for us. He desires that we would share in His very life, friends. And we forget so often that glory to which we're directed. And when we forget the goal, we lose our way. Our Lord is transfigured in order to increase His disciples and our desire for heaven by giving us a taste of that glory. Friend, how often do you think of the glory that God wishes to give you? To carry the weight of eternal glory means to live with a perspective on life that takes into, the, into account the fact that you and I and every person we meet or will ever meet is called to participate in the very life of God. Our destination informs our actions. The call of glory ought to inform our very way of being in the world. Friend, it might come to mind though this question. But I wasn't on the mountain with John or Peter or James. How am I supposed to know this glory? How will the Lord strengthen me to know that I am called to glory amidst life's sufferings? Look here to this altar as Christ becomes present to you. There is no surer pledge or clearer sign of our great hope than the Eucharist. Every time this mystery is celebrated, the work of our redemption is carried on and we break the one bread that provides the medicine of immortality, the antidote for death, and the food that makes us live forever in Jesus Christ. The Lord gives you Himself each week to remind you for what and to where you are destined. The celebration in which we are currently engaged is a pledge of future glory. The Eucharist is clarifying even as it hides. He is hidden behind the appearances of bread and wine, yet the very act of receiving Him worthily in Holy Communion is a foretaste of the communion to which we are destined. We celebrate the Eucharist awaiting the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior Jesus Christ, asking to share in His glory. Friends, long for heaven. Long for glory. Think of heaven every day. When you fast during Lent, think of heaven and your desire for it. When you feast on the Eucharist in a few moments, think of heaven. You are made for glory and nothing less will satisfy.